Morning Project Presents. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. Episode 31 is about to blast process into high gear. Molly and I will discuss which was faster Sonic's blue blur speed in his triumphant return to glory in Sonic Mania, or the speed in which the SNES Classic Edition pre orders got snatched up. We'll also have constructive arguments as to whether or not the art direction in Shenmue 3 is headed in the right direction, or classifying all puzzle games as Tetris is acceptable. But we'll also find common ground that thick, T H I C C, is better, and then return to arguing over whether McDonald's french fries or McNuggets are superior. At the end of the day, it's all about living the good life. And accepting that life can be strange at times. Get comfy, pop your earbuds in, crack open a cold carbonated beverage, and welcome to the next level of GVGP. It is, it is kind of funny. I hadn't even thought about that until you, you said that. Is that there's kind of almost like this Super Nintendo pseudo Genesis kind of revival at the same time in two very, very different ways. Um, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even like put that together. That that was going on right now. Yeah, kind of、uh, a parallel between Sonic's,、uh, it seems to be unanimous return to glory, at least in 2D form, in the recently released Sonic Mania, and now the, the craze of the, this year's classic edition in the SNES form, which once again, Nintendo is not coming through at all in regards to what they said in terms of shortages and timing,、uh, learning from their mistakes of. Not even 12 months ago. It seems like history will either repeat itself or be worse. I mean, at a certain point, though, you know, in conspiracy theories and things like that, like you have to ask yourself how much of this is just what they want, you、right. know? Like, like, is this going exactly as they plan? I mean, because there's long been the rumor that supposedly Nintendo of America gets bonuses for products selling out and things like that, you know? So, they kind of want this stuff to happen.、Um, and you look at things where, like, I, I believe that, like, Europe was getting, like, pre orders for their version and things like that.、Um, I don't know. Like, it just, it just, there's part of you, I think, that can maybe believe the NES Classic was legitimately, they did not expect the demand. Like, I think they have to be kind of dumb on some level to not expect that demand, but okay, that might be possible. But when you get to the Super Nintendo Classic, like, why have the exact same situation again? You know? And why put your fans in a position where they have no idea when these things are going to be out there, how to pre order, when to pre order? You know, like, I had one chance to get them, and I, I didn't, didn't pull the trigger. But it was like 12 30 at night on some Sunday or something like that one day. And the only reason why I had the chance because I just happened to be looking at the internet at that point and someone mentioned that they were up. Right. You know, it's like the Amiibos. Like, I remember back when the Amiibo craze was a lot bigger, it was literally hearing rumors of, you know, the, the new stock coming between like 1 and 2 a.m. and hoping. You know, they would go up at that point and sitting there just, you know, reloading over and over and over again in case they would be there. I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's ridiculous. And I'm kind of glad I don't care about the Super Nintendo. 
So I'm not worried about this round of things because I just, I'm, I don't know how like the hardcore Nintendo fans go through this over and over. And it's a case that it has happened over and over. And no matter what the real or supposed reasons for it were, I mean, we were dealing with this back in the NES days, you know, (laughs) it's been that long that Nintendo has had this happen. Well, my feelings are that, you know, I am a huge Super NES fan. And before I say what I'm about to say, I feel anyone who's looking to get that, um, you know, the SNES classic, whether it be for their collection or to relive some of those memories, I'm all for it. I have nothing against that. I don't think, you know, a person is ignorant from wanting to do so or relive those, the glory days of that, uh, even in the, you know, the, the holiday season coming up, whatever the reason. But as big of a fan as I am of the SNES era and under normal circumstances, I'd be first for it. You know, for me, I've said this before, you know, I have a lot of those titles on my new 3DS. And the only thing I'd be willing to plunk out money for possibly again, as as stupid as this may sound, is if we are fortunate enough to get the Super Famicom edition of the new 3DS. For me personally, I feel like me plunking my money down on that on actual an actual piece of hardware, which can play a lot of that and isn't just something that's... Um, emulation based for the entirety of the system um i understand that it's emulated on new 3ds but you understand what i'm saying that that piece isn't solely dedicated for that i feel like i'd be willing to put my chips in for that um and and yeah i just don't uh, i know we've said this so many times but it's like i have no issue with them doing endeavors like this but it's like don't forget about the other handheld devices or consoles you have such as the switch which still doesn't have a single classic retro title on it as of this recording right. and you know new 3ds hasn't had it anything since december 29th 2016 stateside but on a quick asterisk before i forget i did notice out of as of august 23rd in japan they got 12 more Super Famicom classics for download on new 3DS, primarily comprised of Square titles. So I'm wondering if Nintendo hasn't thrown in a towel on that yet. Now, some of those titles, ironically, the non-Square ones we've already gotten here, like the Breath of Fire games, we got those in 2016, but there were titles such as Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy VI, um, and there was another one which is escaping me, which I know, you know, they could bring to us in English, you know, just renamed as uh, two and three. So I'm thinking there's a glimmer of hope there where the new 3DS is not dead out in the water in terms of SNES classic downloads. So, I mean, that's another reason for me to kind of be like, you know, wanting to put my chips in on that. Um, you know, the only thing really of note with the SNES Classic is the only official legal release of Star Fox 2. Right. But as you know, they could throw that up on any other network if they really wanted to. And um, while I haven't done my homework on this aspect, you know, I'm going to make an assumption again that the controllers and wires connecting to the device are probably going to be short again. I I think they are... um... (laughs) I don't think it's twice as long, but I think they are longer. Oh, okay. But I I believe there were still complaints because I I I haven't had actually had a chance to try one myself. But I believe there were still complaints about the length, but that they were longer than the NES ones were. Mm. 
Another thing I find interesting with this is, I don't know if it's just for the nostalgia of these pieces, but would I be out of line to say that right now, nostalgically, 2D gaming would have another shot at the limelight, even if temporary, with like, because it's kind of like, you know, you look at gaming and, and it's like with the NES Classic and the, and the SNES Classic Edition, it's not just the hardcore collectors getting it, I don't think. So it's like people can still be drawn to a classic 2D title. Am I... Yeah. Am I, yeah. So I don't know. It's just I, kind of interesting, and not to, to kind of segue into this, but like if you look at Sonic Mania, it's one of those things like you look back at history and you're like, well, why didn't they do this 15, 20 years ago? Or like on the Saturn or whatever, but you have to remember if you've lived through it as we have, that everyone was looking, you know... Uh, you know, the the 3D power of the PlayStation and everything was going 3D, pre-rendered backgrounds, 3D combinations. So at the time, it would have been frowned upon. And I was actually thinking to myself, as phenomenal a game as Sonic Mania is, and I do think that would have been praised back in the day with something like Game Fan, I wonder how the masses would have accepted that if Sega went that route with a phenomenal uh, title during the, uh, you know, switch to 3D. I think, yeah, I mean, I think at this point you can do it, but I think at that point with the new consoles, there really was this feeling of you have to do something different than what we've had before because, you know, there were like some 2D platformers, but you think of things like a stall right. that had this completely new kind of like graphical style and things like that, um, you know, where Sonic had to go 3D, I think, because I think, I think at that era... If we had gotten Sonic Mania, which, for anybody who's confused, is a game that was made to be as if it's running on Saturn, not Genesis. Um, I think people would have been like, well, it's just the same thing we already had. And, you know, because it was the the jump from 2D to 3D, like, I I just think a lot of series got screwed at that point because they had to go 2d i mean they had to, right. they had to go 3d or else you know or else they would look like out of date and, and old and things like that absolutely and i don't know how much you want to di- if you want to dive into this right now but uh um i i can't say enough good things about sonic mania and i think one of the craziest things uh in my opinion is you know it's always been greatest sonic of all time you know there's a couple that come into the conversation sonic cd Sonic 2, uh, from a mechanic standpoint and for hardcore that, you know, delved a little bit further and stayed with the series longer, you can even make the argument for Sonic 3 slash Sonic and Knuckles for what it offered in terms of diversity, um, you know, levels and, and gameplay mechanics. But usually I think it's safe to say Sonic CD and Sonic 2 go down in history as the greatest Sonic titles created. I can't believe we're in 2017 after... 17 to 20 years of ups and downs, excluding a couple gems on handheld and certain aspects of Sonic Generations, to be fair, and Sonic Colors. I mean, it's been just such a ride, primarily downhill. And if you would have told me that we would get our greatest Sonic title ever late 2017, pushing 2018, I'd say there's no way. I mean, absolutely no way. Not only that that you get the great Sonic game from a bunch of fans, you know, because 
there's always this thing about like how fans say they could they could always make the game the company should be making, you know? Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. a lot of fans overestimate their actual ability to make games right. and understand what makes games good. You know. So to actually have one guy who was literally a hardcore Sonic fan who came up through kind of like ROM hacking and then two other teams of people who kind of had similar kind of Sonic fans in them uh, to have them be the ones to step in and, you know, do what Sega don't. Um, (laughs) Right. It's crazy. Like it's, it's just like, that's not the way it's supposed to happen, but that's the way it happened. Yeah, I can't believe it. And just to give a shout out on some names here, and I know this is in your official review at egmnow.com. There's a quick plug. Uh, you can read Molly's wonderful review of Sonic Mania, uh, amongst many other titles. You've got Pagoda West Games, uh, but you've got Christian Whitehead, who I think who, uh, who probably spearheaded it, yep. as well as Head Cannon. And then, special note, doing a little bit of homework recently, T-Lopes for the soundtrack yes. is just Fantastic. like, Wow. I mean, the game is phenomenal, and then that soundtrack is just the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, whatever you want to call it. I mean, just a memorable video game soundtrack. It's catchy. It's memorable. It fits the Sonic uh, game to a T. Um, uh, obviously, I know Molly has completed the title, and uh, I'm very close. So I, I believe there's 12 zones, and I'm on 11 Almost, yeah, so, and I haven't touched it in a few days due to busyness, but this is a title that I have sunk my teeth into. I've replayed some areas, and, um, man, it's just, it's phenomenal. One thing, too, is, like, when you play it, like, you, like, there's certain games where you can feel how much the development team cared about the game, Mm -hmm. you know, and that it wasn't just, we want to make a good game, there was something personal you know, there was heart and soul kind of involved to use that kind of cliche, but just like, I think in every aspect of this game, you feel that the people making this game really cared about it and and wanted to make the Sonic game they've been waiting for. And mm-hmm. it's always nice. It's funny because, you know, very, very different thing, but you also play a game like Hellblade from Ninja Theory that came out recently. That's another game where you you can feel how much the team kind of cared about it in a different way. And it's always nice to play those kind of games where there's just this obvious level of the developers poured themselves into that project and that, you know, the results are felt all throughout because there's there's like no part. I mean, you know, I had a few sections here and there when I kind of wish they'd done things differently or I didn't like the thing they had done, you know, but there was never a part where I'm like, this game isn't just great, you know, and isn't right. at a level of quality that, that a lot of games just simply can't hit. Without giving too much away, and obviously there's obviously many callbacks to other Sonic titles, mechanics, and what have you, would I be crazy in feeling that there were other aspects in Sonic Mania that not only did callbacks to Sonic titles, but other Genesis slash Sega titles, or am I crazy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's okay. one big, big obvious one that is a spoiler that I don't like to mention. Um, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. But I mean, I mean, that, to, be, I mean yeah. to be fair, like, there's, I mean, there's even, 
like the popcorn machine is a real thing that existed. You know, the, the Sega popcorn machine in, that, in the, um, was it Studio, Studiopolis? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know, yeah. You're, I know what you're referencing, but I didn't know that was a real thing. And then the whole, like, Gallup uh, uh, kind of lottery, like, the, the ball selection thing is something real. Mm. So there's, like, all these little pieces here and there that, that are not only referencing kind of Sonic history, but also Sega history. What, uh, one more here, because it was bothering me. I should have texted it to you before the show, so I didn't waste time on the show on this. But was there also a callback to arguably a old Capcom title, or am I nuts? Or maybe mm. it was just a coincidence on level design. I mean, you want me to say it? Yeah. There was one level I thought was a lot like uh, like the No Gravity Zone and stuff in Strider. Oh, yeah, I, 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 can, I can see that. Like, I don't know if that was their inspiration, but I, I right. can see why you would think that. So... And then would you, uh, last thing I'll say for now, uh, did you also get some aspects maybe, and it could have just been because of the Genesis hardware, did you ever get like a treasure feel on certain aspects? And then there was, I thought, uh, uh, a reference to something more Sega in uh, a famous uh, Ninja series of theirs. <laughs> now that one, I'm not sure if I caught, but I, I can I can see certain, like there's certain bosses and things yeah, that yeah. do feel a little treasury. Yeah, you know, I, like I mean, like I said, I, I think it wasn't necessarily just Sonic, but also kind of that era of Genesis that it was, right? You know, kind of right. showing some love for, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I don't know what else to say. Just uh, two thumbs up. If one hasn't downloaded it yet, it's obviously it's available PS4, Xbox One, uh, Switch, and then recently it hit Steam. I saw people complaining about something with the Steam. I don't know if it was DRM or whatever. Yeah, it was. It was the DRM issue with it. It's it uses was it Denuvo, whatever it's called. That, yeah, so, that already got cracked and things. Um, yeah, yeah, I owned it on PS4, but I'm kind of tempted to also get it for Switch as well. Because mm. for some reason, like it feels like it'd be a game that would just feel at home on Switch, right? And it's funny, yeah. and, you know, it's funny too, you know, that we've gotten uh, this, you know, and just recently we had the Wonder Boy remake. Yeah, so yeah, it's kind of like that that classic kind of Sega 2D era, you know, is getting some love. I know we've said this before, not to. I always say not to beat a dead horse, but. And it's two different audiences, but don't you think it's an uphill battle now even more for Sonic Forces? I think it's really, like, it's really interesting, like, what Sega does now, you know? Um, I think the best thing they could do would be to have, you have, like, 3D Sonic be its own thing, Mm -hmm. and then 2D Sonic be its own thing. And you kind of have, okay, let them do 3D Sonic in whatever way they want to do it where they feel like they have to do it for like kind of younger audiences and the more mainstream and things like that. But then let this team, at least for a while, keep doing like 2D Sonic. Do you think there's a chance because of this and the, and you know, the great scores it's received? Do you think there's a chance Sega does this with Streets of Rage remake? I think it's a harder sell, you know? Because it's not mm. Sonic. I mean, you know, <laughs> Sonic is at their core. Right. It's one of the biggest names they have. Um, right. I would love to see, though, you know, them look at this and say, we need to try this more and not be afraid to try it. Right. Because absolutely, you know, with the Sonic, I mean, the Streets of Rage kind of re- reworking that was going on and things like that. I think there's a... I think, though, it takes 
a lot of, I don't want to say guts, but I think it does take a lot of, of guts, even though that, that's, not, that's not the word I'm looking for, um, to, for a company to let this happen, you know? Because on some level, it does look a little bad when, like I said, this group of fans comes along and makes a Sonic game that's getting more press and better reviews and <laughs> and more talk than anything right. the main team has done in, in years. You know? Right. So there, it, that is kind of humbling to a company, I think. So hopefully... You know, it's funny because I think about wrestling right now, right? You know, you, you have somebody uh, like Zack Ryder, right? Who kind of makes himself popular on the internet. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Vince and company aren't sure what to do with him because, like, do they do they encourage that to happen more by using the popularity he's built for himself and and pushing him further, you know, or do they totally ignore that side of things or do they punish him for for making himself popular? You know, like there's always this kind of like. We didn't make this happen, so we don't know if we want to right. support it or not. So right. I kind of hope that what Sega takes away from this is not we need to not do this again because it makes us look bad, but we need to embrace this kind of thing and allow ourselves to do both. Like I said, you know, I think they, they could do from now on, they could do 3D Sonic the way they want to do it. They do 2D Sonic with this, this kind of group like this releasing it. And you make both sides of fans happy, right? Wow. Well, with with that, uh, there's been a lot going on in the gaming world in general, and I don't know how much you've been uh, keeping abreast of it. Uh, I'm a little bit guilty of not keeping uh, as abreast of it, but there's been a hell of a lot of shows lately. We had there was Gamescom. Uh, we are right now day three of PAX West going on. Uh, Tokyo Game Show is coming up in just under three weeks. Uh, what's been on your mind? I mean, I've got some notes here and I've got some angles and you know avenues I can take us down. But what's been on your mind uh, lately? I mean, it's funny because like I almost like I almost feel like because I'm not this year, I'm not going to most of these kind of things. Mm-hmm. I actually feel like I keep forgetting like when things are happening. And and that like I totally space and that PAX is this weekend, you know. Yeah, it's uh, September 1st through the 4th, uh, today being day three. Uh, That's taking place. And then just a quick side note, uh, don't hold us to this, but uh, we may be bringing someone on the end of September, just a little special uh, uh, on-the-scene guest in Tokyo, uh, possibly to give us some first-hand insight from TGS 2017. But uh, yeah, there was all that. There was Gamescom that took place about about a week and a half ago uh, in Germany. And wasn't there, uh, uh, BlizzCon was just recent, right? Yeah, I, th- or was it, uh, did they do QuakeCon yet? There was Quake QuakeCon? I don't know. If, I, feel, yeah. I feel like they might have done QuakeCon already, but I think BlizzCon is where the, the recent, um, the latest cinematic came out of. Oh, okay, for, uh. For May. Ah, uh, yes. I think. Yes. It's, it's like, it's, I, I, I almost feel like there's just too much now. Right. Because it used to be, it's funny, because there used to be, as somebody working in the industry, there used to be, like, seasons, right? You know? Mm-hmm. You'd have, like, okay, March would be, like, GDC and DICE. 
and then June was, you know, E3. And then maybe you went in July to Comic-Con. And then you had TGS. And then things were kind of quiet. But now, like, every month, I feel like there's something. You know, because we still have, you know, like, if nothing else, we still have PlayStation X or whatever. What is it, Expo? I don't think it's called Experience. PlayStation PlayStation Experience, Experience, yeah. yeah, In December, I think. In December. And then... You also have the the VGAs, which are now kind of like announcement things. Oh, that's and right. You have four PAXs a year now. Because <laughs> you have PAX South and PAX Australia. Like Australia doesn't get a lot of announcements. I think PAX South might, might get some more. So, like, you used to be like, okay, these are the waves that announcements are going to come in. And now it feels like just every month you've got to just pay attention to things because... It's going to be this event and that event, and certain things are going to be announced during it. And then GameSpot event happens, you know, and everybody. And I think to just uh, this past week was also uh, GameStops. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, that's what I meant. GameStop. Oh, you, you're familiar with that one too? Yeah, I think it was in yeah. Vegas this year. Yeah. So uh, one of the workers was talking to me about that actually just the other day. But no, I'm with you on that. There's so much stuff, and it's not to sound. It's not that we're trying. We're lazy here. We don't care about games. It's just that it's. It's like, damn, you know, you gotta, you gotta let it soak in. You gotta, you know, give, you know, like look at Sonic Mania. Like Sonic Mania is a fresh, a fresh thing. It just came out two weeks ago, right? Like two weeks is nothing, but it almost feels like it's been like six months. You yeah. know what I mean? Just because of all the other news and all the other shows and releases. Um. You've kind of answered my question indirectly, but I was going to say, are you feeling, I actually have a thing down here, are you feeling indie games overload or, you know, slash, are you feeling, uh, you know, uh, these conventions overload? Well, I was trying to find like the exact numbers, but I, I think we're at a point where, like, Steam gets, is this something like 100 plus games a day released? Wow. Or some crazy number? To- they're you trying know. to compete with iPhone. <coughs> Excuse me. Smartphones. <laughs> yeah, it's just that's the thing too. Is like, like, you know, uh, inside baseball here, but you know, from where I work, I get emails all the time from people who who are doing mobile stuff. You know, and they're like, "We well, would love you to cover us," and I'm like, "We can't," because you don't understand like how much of that stuff there is, right? And and so mm-hmm. kind of our rule, at least for where I work, is. If it's a release that is connected to like a major console or handheld series, we'll cover it. So, for example, um, there's Square Enix's fantastic Go line of like Hitman Go, Lara Croft Go, and then there was okay, yes. Go. Um, so we like you know we covered those because those are connected to to the these very big franchises on consoles and stuff. Um, you know, or if it's like a Final, like we didn't cover Final Fantasy 15. Uh, war, game of war, not game of war, but whatever that is, you know, rip off. Mm-hmm. Like down to the point where I've seen the commercial where they have like the, was it, is Kate Moss the one that does the Clash of Kings? No, it's Kate Moss. No, because she's old. I mean, okay. nowadays she'd be old. Who are you talking about? I don't, uh, I don't long, know. Any bon- it's got to maybe Kate Upton. Yeah, that's how I meant. Kate Upton. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, so Square has like the Kate Upton, like, like, generic version for their final fantasy 15 like ad which i thought was crazy <laughs> um so we don't cover that game but we we will cover 
mobile games that have some kind of connection. But beyond that, we can't because there's just so many games. And same kind of thing with Steam. Like, we don't do a whole lot with PC just because you don't realize, like, how much that means. You know, even on consoles, like, it's, it's, it's crazy just in one week, you know, how much stuff can come out. Like, I think, I think it was, um, was it on Switch? Like, one of the recent, like, Switch weeks had just this ton of games come out. And I'm trying to see on PlayStation. Um, just, this is just an example. This isn't everything for, for upcoming week. But there is a whole new world. Uh, Antiquia, Antiquia, I can't even say this name, Lost. Uh, Destiny 2, of course. Don't Knock Twice. Drive Girls, Gun Ducky Industries, <laughs> Knack 2, Licky the Lucky Lizard Lives Again, mm. The Lost Bear, Senko no Ronde 2, Songbringer, Spectrum, Utawa Deru Mono, Mask of Truth, and uh, that's probably other games too. So, like, you know, like, how many of those have you heard of? Yeah, like, maybe you know? 30%, 30%, if I'm being nice, 30 40%. And that's, that's, like, that's, like, one week. That's not all the games that are probably going to come out. That's just an example. And that's just one platform, right? I mean, not one platform, but, like, one kind of ecosystem PlayStation. And mm-hmm. that's for every system every week. Right. And it just gets crazy after a while. Yeah. There's just so many games, and... It's nonstop. You know, I've said it before, but like, if I was making a game, like I, I don't know how I wouldn't just panic about how do I, you make your game stand out from everything else that's out there. I'll tell you what I think. I think if you had the passion and like you were all in on the game, you'd have to somehow keep your head down and get, and set goals and get through your project until release and pray to God because. If you stop to take a look around and see everything that's coming out, I'm with you. Like it's either like all or nothing. Either you've got to have the confidence and the drive and the game plan and pray to God, or it's like you stop and and it's like what am I like? What am I doing? Like either this has been done or my idea. Like between the time of now and release, the idea could be, be taken. There could be some Dojin or fan-made game that's already done this. Someone could be selling the same idea for $2 or $50. I mean, it's just endless. Like, And, you know, is it going to reach its audience? It's unbelievable. And and the previous week on PlayStation, like, there was, like, 24 new games for that week. I almost thought that's what you were reading, but, yeah, this past week was big. And, I mean, you have, like, so you have big games, like, you know, Ab- Ab- Absolver is a pretty big game in terms of, like, indie releases. Um, if everybody, everybody's golf, which is a big game, you mm-hmm. have the I picked the, uh, Yakuza Kiwami. Yakuza Kiwami, uh, the New Life is Strange, um, Pillars of Eternity, Resident Evil Revelations Remaster. Mm-hmm. You know, those are just a few of like uh, uh, Warriors All Stars. It's just a few, like so, like even like even if you're only looking at like I'm into niche Japanese gaming. Mm-hmm. There's like eight, at least eight easy choices for you for that week. And because it sometimes comes out on odd days, there were three more Neo Geo titles that just came out. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Jesus. It's um, a couple of those of which I picked up. I don't want to go off on my, you know, I always go off on these SNK rants. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. The, the one of note I will throw in there, though, is uh, Windjammers coming out. I, I have that, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm really enjoying that one. I actually did some local two-player on that as well. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think the only problem I have with it, and this isn't the problem as much for me, but this is something I noticed kind of introducing it to um, the people in my office, like kind of the younger generation of players, Mm -hmm. is that it feels like it needed to have more. Oh, you know, because it's it's just like okay, here's a two player versus mode, right. and that's that's it. You know, I'm like, totally I, fine with it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I, I kind of feel like it needed like okay, four player or a really simple kind of more. I mean, it has a kind of arcadey, you know, single player mode, but there's just I I do worry that it it does feel simplistic, and I know I've heard this you know complain about the the um, hamster Neo Geo releases is that they're the arcade versions and not the home versions. So you do miss out on things like training modes at times and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. And certainly not, they're certainly, as to be expected, not the Neo Geo CD or other releases, which have sometimes the orchestrated arranged soundtracks and things of that nature. But it's weird to uh, me that they, it's weird to me, I understand why, because it's arcade classics, right? Obviously. Sure. Uh, but it does get weird that they are releasing the MBS versions, not the AES versions. Right. Yeah. And the other thing with this, you know, back to your point, you know, I, I get what you're saying to add more to it, but I think the the super duper challenge there would be is, you know, now you'd have to be going back into the sprite work or adding to the sprite work or new sure. areas that did. So, you know what I mean? So that's kind of. Yeah. The other thing that got me when I looked that title up, though, online, uh, Windjammers, when I was doing some just looking up some stuff to refresh my memory. I didn't realize I'd forgotten that that was Data East. Yeah. That brought back a lot of memories for me. I remember, you know, going to the arcades when younger and playing a lot of Data East titles. It it is funny. I mean, it is, uh, it's funny that some of the Neo Geo games can get kind of blurred because you had, you know, Data East, you had, was it Saurus? Mm -hmm. Um, Yumikobo. Yeah. And uh, ADK. Sunsoft. Um, so you had like some of those companies that you think of them just being Neo Geo games, you mm-hmm. know, whereas they actually weren't. So it is, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that sometimes. Right. And I, and it's funny that you mentioned that cause I remember, was it, I think it was game fan that had the story about how data East was setting up data West <laughs> like as a... like the kind of Western branch to make, make games as well. Wow. I don't think that ever actually happened. <laughs> I miss, you know, I mean, we say, we say this before, but I miss, um, like, that era of Japanese companies. Because I think the other day, like, I was thinking about how much I miss Hudson right now. You know, and them just existing and making games and stuff. Yeah, they got scooped up by Konami, right? Yeah. So they're under Konami. Um, uh, you know, I guess this is opportune time to to talk about this but like you know i'm a lot of my time gets spent you know if i'm not playing games because of being burnt out from work and other things you know i'm always doing something gaming related and uh i went back and watched some of the hardcore gaming 101 videos that were recorded like 18 24 months ago overseas and i was looking at the old hudson building which used to have like the the mini like the train and stuff that would go around the building and 
I saw it present day. You know, it was all like kind of like the building is still there, but you know, obviously the train is there. I think the tracks might still be there, and they were just going over the history of it. You know, it's kind of amazing to look at and to see all that that company did and its strength in the late '80s, early '90s, and how much money they must have had. And just you know, it's it's a thing of the past now. And then, um, while not historic in that respect, another YouTube channel I started watching in recent months, it's actually been on YouTube, I think, a little while, but there's a guy in Australia who is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest gaming collection. And for those who have listened to me on the podcast here or elsewhere, you know, I've always given that, not officially, but there's a gentleman that I interviewed from France years ago. Bryce Core, who who I would still put on that list, by the way, up there for having just a godly amount of games and figures and all that. But this guy's official. It's the last gamer, and he's got like over twenty six thousand titles. Is this the re- guy who has like the video of his collection? Because I think yeah, I watched I, one recently where like he's he's still building out his yeah yeah he's and, well and, he's and, done and he it. says he's not rich at all which is yeah. like, has to be a total okay lie. that part, that part I have an issue with. okay yes. that, can we get into this there's no way okay. you can see that okay. video and yeah. I, that part now I think he seems like a real cool guy and he yeah, whatever yeah, like yeah, they restore absolutely. arcade machines him and his wife and he has a son I think he's I only know this because I think in this video he gave it away I think he's forty three. And seems like a totally cool guy. His videos are done really well. And, you know, he's like a family man and all that kind of stuff. But I'm with you on that. There was a video he did within the last three to five months. And, you know, when he went over what he does for a living and all that. I mean, there's no way mathematically. Like, I just took that number and did basic numbers. Like, and and just came up with a small number. Like, even if those games were 20 bucks a piece or 30 like. You know, because you, you, I don't have to explain this to you. Like some games he may have gotten for five bucks on a deal or eight bucks. Sure. But let me tell you, he's got some in his collection that are literally, no joke, worth hundreds and thousands of dollars. So, And that's excluding the dozens upon dozens upon dozens of consoles he owns, all the limited editions. Uh, just on a quick aside for those who haven't seen it, he even owns, and I couldn't believe this, he even owns one of the copies of Tetris for the Mega Drive. Yes. So, I mean... There is absolutely no way uh, that he can't be considered, quote, rich. I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing. But uh, he just put up another video actually today, and he's building out. He said that he swears that this is the last time, and, um, you know. But he does good work. I saw him taking apart a Daytona USA 2 cabinet recently, and obviously the guy knows what he's doing because once he took all that stuff apart, like if I would have done that, you could have paid me a million dollars and I would have never got that back together. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just unbelievable. Just, just taking the belts apart, the rails, just section by section, redoing the stuff. And then the wife, I guess, if you look at some of the cabinets, like some of the ones he gets, like will look really beat up, but then he restores them to museum quality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And, you know, he was kind of praising his wife saying, you know, sometimes we'll look at some of the work she does and he'll like look at it for minutes or I don't want to say hours, but like, you know, he'll look at it to see if he can tell where the work was done or whatever. And he can't tell where the, the redone paint job or whatever was done. But but anyway, for those who are, you know, kind of uh, uh, enamored with stuff like that into gaming and you want to just see an absolutely ridiculous collection. It's the last gamer on YouTube out of Australia. It's just, it's, it's insane. It's, it's funny because I was thinking back in the day because, um, you know, getting settled in my new place. And uh-huh. I, 
I have like kind of like two two small main shelves where I keep the games that I want to use all the time, mm-hmm. and then my Vita games. And in my last place, I had run out of space for the Vita, and so in moving here, I was going to reorganize some things. And so I spent part of today like reorganizing that shelf and trying to figure out how to make space for certain things and whatever. And you know, I have like two shelves versus his like hundreds <laughs> and hundreds, but it's still like there's like that fun thing you have, right? Right. That it's hard to explain to other people who don't like enjoy owning games is right there's a joy to just reorganizing your shelves and putting things in new places and figuring out extra space and stuff that you that so i kind of feel the joy he gets right but it's also i i can't imagine just dealing with what he has when you watch that video because he's and it's too like that that, you know it, it becomes the argument of um you know because he seems like he plays a lot of his stuff yeah. But there's no way he can play all that stuff. There's only one thing I'll say, and this is obvious. You know, the one good thing about it, and it seems like his son is really into it, and I think his son might be pushing his team. Like, he's maybe like 12 or something like that. You know, you can always say at the very least, hey, you know, he's got something to pass on, and his kid does seem to be into it. It's not like the kid's not into it. And, you know, it is something he gets to do with the family and the son. And they even showed, like, their own little movie theater Right. That they have made up for their James Bond viewing, and but at least it's one of those things. It's not just on him, and there's others to enjoy it. And he does say once he's finally done with this in the next couple months, he does plan to provide content and do videos and stuff. So he is doing something with it at least. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, there, it, there is just absolutely no way uh, at all that he could get through. I mean, I can't. I mean, literally with what I have, and it's not even a fra- a, a fraction of a fraction of what he's got. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to get through what I've got in a lifetime if you stop. I mean, seriously. Right. I mean, and at the pace I'm going, I could live 10 lifetimes and not right. get through all the, the BS I have. And, you know, yeah, so I think, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that, like, for him, it has to be just the, I want the collection right. side of it. You know, it's not like, I want to play all these, I want all these games to play. Because, mm-hmm. like, like you're saying, you know, you Unless you're playing every game for like five seconds, there's just no way your life can can handle that. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- you know, if you don't mind talking about YouTubers a little more, you know, I was watching a different one. I still watch Happy Console Gamer with Johnny Millennium. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I um, like him. I, I've, I he, talked to him a few times and uh, cause I think I started talking to him because he did uh, him and somebody else did a episode on game fan issues. It may okay. It's possible. Don't quote me on this. It was probably a while ago. It could have been Rob Man, but don't quote me on that. No, no. I mean, I I know it's definitely uh, Johnny Millennium. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I know he. Yeah. Definitely oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I see. You're 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 yeah, saying the guy that. He yeah, was the with. friend. Yeah. yeah. That that absolutely could have been. Yeah, but the the reason I bring him up out of nowhere right now is he actually had an interesting video he did a few days ago. He had a buddy on who he knew uh, who lived in Europe. And it was really interesting to get the European take on the 90s era gaming. Now, now, here's the thing. You know, people like you and I pride ourselves on our gaming knowledge, and we're familiar with the different territories and, you know, PAL versus NTSC, all that basic stuff. But I had no idea. His friend was saying, um, for example, they did not get titles such as uh, Chrono Trigger, Aiva, uh, Final Fantasy VI, um, they did get Secret of Mana, but long story short, the list of titles he went through that they didn't get in Europe at the time. Like, So if you were a JRPG enthusiast or would read about it in some of their publications, there was a lot that they missed out on that like, yeah. 
it even put into perspective how you know how always the North Americans would you know be complaining about all the stuff we got shafted on from not getting it from Japan. Well, it was way worse over there. Oh yeah, and, no, no. I mean, like, the thing is, like, yeah, I, I, I remember that definitely. Is that for a long time, it was always yeah, you know, we feel like we're getting screwed, but we're, at least we're not Europe, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and it's funny that over time. <laughs> In certain ways, they've actually gotten better than us. Like, I think you know, yes. Nintendo of Europe seems to be way better about releasing, like, those kind of lesser-known games Yes, that Nintendo America never touches. Um, they still obviously are behind in, in certain things. I know there's been... I think it was just recently that Atlas announced they're going to have a European division. Because so I think Atlas has been one of the publishers that's been really tough getting some of their games over there because it's had to go through then, you know, like secondary parties mm. Mm. did um uh, another thing even in this youtube video i think they showed a snippet and i've seen it on what getting back to the last gamer in australia and we always like to talk about magazines were you familiar with a super nes era publication out of uh europe called super play yep oh, okay I, I now that's something i was unfamiliar with up until like very recently oh, yeah. did did you ever get to see it or have any copies of it? I think personally? I saw. I think I saw it like once or twice. Like I wasn't really collecting it or anything. But okay, I, I know you know because I've always been into magazines, and especially once I started working a game fan, it was the curiosity of like you know what other what are other magazines doing, and so right. we we knew about a lot of those kind of things and huh. kept an eye on them and stuff like that. So wow, wow. Which, by the way, before we go on, um, I want to say having brought up you know, the 8 and 16-bit kind of Japanese publishers that we don't have anymore. Uh, there was this podcast that you probably haven't heard of called Warning a Huge Podcast <laughs> that on stage 19 of that show they did as their main topic, uh, looking back at the lesser-known 8 and 16-bit Japanese game publishers. So if you're curious about all that, you should go listen to them. I'm actually glad you brought up Warning because I thought of them... Just yesterday. Oh. Would you like to know why? Why? Because I was on my 3DS scrolling through the eShop looking at new titles and once again disappointed there were no new uh, uh, virtual console titles. But there was a really obscure title that just got released a couple weeks ago to no fanfare that I the only reason I know this name is because of warning a huge podcast. And this will also – I know what you're going to say. You're going to say – if you went back in time to all of the games that Warning said would never come here, and now it's ironic <laughs> in 2017, we've got just, well, I've got one for you. Okay. El Menage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, which was another, it seemed to be another really old school rooted title in the vein of like a wizardry or Etrian Odyssey. Is that fair mm -hmm. to say? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's one of those things. A lot of the titles that were discussed in Warning, you know, uh, I'd at least heard of the names or was familiar with the pronunciation or whatever. But I, I remember listening to El Minaj and I'm like, are they pronouncing that right? Or what the hell are they talking about? I seriously, I'd never, I mean, is, are you f very familiar with that title or is that more I'm, of a Casey I'm not, and Nick? I think, I think Casey was the one who was more familiar with it. Um, mm. You know, I know of it, but like, I wasn't really, I wasn't really into like the kind of dungeon callers at that point. Like I, mm -hmm. I kind of enjoy them more now, but right. Um, I had only touched kind of a few, so I never got deep into like the wizardry or stuff like that. Right. So. Well, it's it's up on the store now. I believe it's twenty bucks. 
So it doesn't seem like there's going to be a physical release. I knew it was coming here. I read about it months ago, and then I didn't hear a peep. So I didn't know if they canned it or what. But it seems like it went up on a digital store. Hmm. So that's up there. Yeah. And um, what else? So I was going to ask you about this, and I wanted to watch the latest trailer for it today, and I uh, I didn't. Um, I'm assuming you're looking forward to The Good Life by Sweary. Yes. I mean, from what little we know of it, you know. I think there's a trailer out there, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah, trust me. After you watch it, you'll understand why what I'm saying. (laughs) It's it's a very sweary trailer. Um, Bouncing back on, you just mentioned Atlas, potentially Atlas of Europe, uh, since we mentioned the Atlas topic. Do you have any interest, or do you feel that a Catherine sequel is coming, as they teased during a recent live stream? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, somebody else asked me this too. Um, and like, part of me would have said no, because Catherine really existed as a kind of, uh, tech test for Persona mm-hmm. 5 mm-hmm. to kind of play around with the, you know, a, a new visual style and a new engine and a new way of handling things and stuff like that. Um, but it ended up being one of Atlas's best selling titles. So I am actually not going to be surprised if we get a new Catherine. I guess my mm. worry would be I don't want it to be a, a sequel. You know, my, my thought was you have a whole new cast, whole new story, whole new situation, whole new location. The only similarity is in this new cast, there is also a girl named Catherine that is involved in some way. You know, I think that's all you need to do is just have a, a name connection not same person or anything, just have the name connection and that's all you do. So I, I think I think if they try to do it a sequel, it's gonna feel way too forced. Mm. Mm. So you have to just be kind of like a these are stories that somehow involve a girl named Catherine. Oh I see. They're not I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're their own thing and not the same people, but there's just that name connection. Kind of like I mean like, you know, obviously Zelda Watching Zelda goes farther with this, but none of those links usually are the same link. You know, mm. there's occasionally a link or two that are the same, but usually it's, this is a different character. He looks like Link. His name is Link, you know. Like, Japan right. loves doing that kind of thing, so I think you just right. do that. Is you just have a different character with that name. That's all you literally need. And you can do anything you want with that game, I think. Well... I guess we'll see, you know, I guess they need something in the pipeline. Every company has to put something new out to keep generating money. So, you know, I would figure if that happens, we'll probably see that in 2018, maybe. Maybe late 2018, something like that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if it does actually become a thing, you know. Um, but, I mean, I think, I think with Sega backing them, and, you know, also, you're not going to have a new persona for a while. Right. Uh, so, I think, yeah, you have, a, you have an opportunity to do it. And people would be interested. So, mm. uh, before I get into some other random stuff that may not happen, um, which I mean, which by the, way, by the way, can we say that that Catherine was the only game Atlas released of that era? Oh, on PS3. Yeah. Wow, I never looked at it like that. Yeah, because that. Oh well, they did. They did P5, but it was dual system. Well, yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. I know what you mean, though. Like solely, yeah. yeah. Wow. But for for mm. yes, planned for that. I mean, I mean, okay. It's hard to say because obviously Persona Five was planned for that era, but right. But terms, I know what you mean in terms of actually being part of that era properly. 
Mm-hmm. Like, pers- I mean, Catherine was the only game, and the only other game they had for PS3 was, you know, Persona 5, because, but at that point it was really a PS4 game. I mean, technically. Anyways, it wasn't, okay, it wasn't technically a PS4 game, but... Yeah, it got more fanfare and probably sales. Yes. I'm People saw it as a PS4 game at that point. Yeah. Um, before we get into more, a uh, little bit of gaming stuff here, we're actually shockingly coming up on a one-hour mark here on GVGP31. I want to thank fans for being patient with us. Uh, as we're just going through, uh, yeah, just a whole bunch of different life stuff. Not bad stuff, just uh, some time-consuming uh, aspects. But we're back here this evening as we're approaching the fall season. Uh, with that being said, and what I'm about to say, this can go in one ear and out the other because this may never happen. So what I'm about to say may stay on this episode and just never come to fruition. So don't get your hopes up. I know that's a terrible pitch. But uh, I was in discussions recently. Actually, I got to see the Microsoft offices on Thursday via FaceTime hmm. uh, because my Double Plus Good Games, the old podcast I used to do from 2010 to 2014, Neil was uh, up there uh, doing some business. So I got to see the offices via uh, FaceTime for a little while. And um, there's a couple people in the pipeline, and this is not on me, and I haven't, I didn't contact them myself, and I've got no time frames, and I've got nothing confirmed, and I haven't agreed to anything. But what I said was maybe if this does come to light, what we can do is if we do interviews with X, Y, and Z individuals, we can do a double upload. We can upload it to the Radio.Morning Project feed and like maybe just do a GVGP slash double plus crossover. Mm. And also upload it at uh, BauerGraphics.com or DoublePlusGoodGames.com, whatever you want to call it. But a couple people that are – the one who I know will come that I – he's a great guy, and I've, I've actually sang his praises in the past. It's been a while, and you're actually familiar with him, and it probably wouldn't happen until end of the year, early 2018, is Michael Mendheim, who's still pushing forward with MFL, Mutant Football League. And while sports may sound blasphemous – on this network, and I haven't uh, sullied Radio.Morning Project with sports, this isn't any old sports game. So this would be the spiritual successor to the much-beloved Mutant League football on the Genesis from the early 90s. And uh, Michael Mentheim's a great guy. I actually interviewed him about four or five years ago and uh, just really down to earth. And it's just ironic. He was up uh, – he's a native of uh, Illinois, in Chicago, uh, Chicago, Illinois, and he was up at the Microsoft offices the other day and uh, – MFL Mutant Football League is still coming along well. It's 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 a reality. I think the goal is for that title to be up by early 2018. And then more interestingly, and I don't know if this is going to happen because you got to figure if it does, it's got to be soon. But just I'm throwing this out there. There's also the potential maybe to interview some of the people behind Cuphead coming to Xbox One, which is that uh, much stylized. It's actually a run and gun. I didn't realize that. It's a technically yeah. a run and gun with a 50s or even earlier, excuse me, like early 1900s aesthetic in terms of its uh, cartoon uh, uh, presentation. Well, what's, so, I, what's interesting too is, I mean, it, it was originally going to be a, a boss run, kind of like I think of like Alien Soldier for. Oh, uh, I didn't know Genesis that. Wow. But I think too many people complained. And so that's why it kind of got delayed. It's because they actually end up expanding it to have the actual levels wow. for, each, for each boss. So, hmm. And you know, what's, you know what's funny, too? Like, you talk about Mutant League football. It's funny how we've kind of lost that era of 
silly sports games. Right. And, you know, I think part of it is just it's so complicated to make a sports game now. And and it's not because, there's, I mean, there's a couple. No, you can still make, yeah, you don't have to go all, all out like, you know, like the full all bells and whistles Madden or NHL. You can still, you know, do a. A beefy arcadey style sports but game, but it feels like, but it feels like there isn't room. I mean, or just like there's no belief that that can work at this point. Mm. You know, and the reason I was thinking about this recently is because somebody mentioned to me, um, God, what? The, there's an indie golf game, and it just there's got, golf story coming to Switch with yes. RPG. Yes, yes, and that reminded me of. I don't remember the name, but it was the tennis game for TurboGrafx-16 that had the full, like, RPG mode in it. Ooh, I don't remember that, and I was, and I had a TG-16 and yeah, some of the sports Yeah, there titles. were a couple games on the TG-16 that were funny because they seemed like regular sports games, and then they had, like, adventure RPG elements to it. Wow. And this game, it had, like literally like random battles for tennis matches and things like that <laughs> i can't i have no recollection of this yeah and it, and wow. then that made me think with the golf thing is there was that was it battle golf on genesis that we never actually got but i i, I remember seeing it in like game fan and egm and stuff mm. um but i just like i remember like it used to be like anybody would make a sports game you know mm-hmm. and it wasn't hard to make one and, you know, you think about, like, Double Dribble, you know, or, or like, Blades of Steel, you know. And, and Konami wouldn't even think of beyond Pez making a sports game at this point. <laughs> well, well, there's two sports games I felt that, that always needed a sequel. And this is going to sound like a shameless plug, but one we just discussed. So it's coming in the MFL, Newton Football League, right? Yeah. So you can take that off the list. But there is one sports title. The one that I will tell you is in the number one spot that that... It needs to come back. Uh, it's it's got to have that two D style charm and tons and tons of animations. We need baseball stars three. I, I mean, was that, I was waiting for you to say that. That yes. is the one. I mean, th- there's probably a couple other sports titles I could think of that deserve to be in that bracket. But if you're like, look, you get to choose one. It's it's baseball stars three. Which, in a way, is ironic because many people will argue, you know, baseball is a boring sport, or especially if you watch it. And I used to be a, bi- a fan of baseball growing up, originally being from New York. And I don't get insulted with that. Like, I get it. Like, I, like could I sit through a baseball game on TV? I actually can. <laughs> but I also get where people are like, this is just too drawn out and it's terrible. But I think a lot of people would agree when you're actually, whether you're playing baseball in real life, like yourself, or even in certain video game forms... It's very fun, and Baseball Stars is just, that's the one that they've, they've had to, they, they got to do. See, I, I, I knew that was going to be the name coming out of your mouth when you started. Um, no, it's funny because I'm not a fan of baseball at all. Um, I mean, like, I can go to a baseball game, you know, but it's more like, because you're sitting there, you're eating snacks, you're talking to your friends. Mm-hmm. And then for anybody who knows him out there, um, one of my ex-coworkers, Andrew Fitch, uh, he actually took me to a baseball game in Japan and that was like super crazy. Like if you've ever seen like a baseball in Japan, they are very, very serious about it. Yeah. When was this? uh, When did you go to see that? This was uh, the, one of the last TGSs we went to. Oh, okay. Not that long ago. So yeah, it was been like 13 or 14, maybe. Wow. 2013, 2014. Yeah. I think. 
uh, yeah, we actually, I, I want to say it was Yokohama is where we went to. Okay. So it'd be like, I think Bay Stars versus somebody. Um, and having lived in, in Osaka, you know, I am, of course, a Hanshin Tigers fan. Even though I hate baseball, you have to be a Hanshin Tigers fan. Because <laughs> like how I'm from Nebraska, so you have to be a Cornhuskers fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm not a baseball fan, but it's funny that you were saying that because two of the games I think of instantly in terms of games I missed from that era are both baseball games. And they were, for, it was for me, it was Baseball, baseball Stars 2020. Oh, okay. You know, uh, you I, threw, you, no pun intended, you threw me a curveball. I thought you were going to say Baseball Simulator. That was my other game what? I was going to mention. I, it was Baseball Simulator. Uh, you know, because, like, I mean, like, like, of course, base, Baseball Stars 2020. Am I getting the name right? Or am I uh, It's, um, oh, my God. It's, is, it, wait, is it Super Baseball it just came out. It just came out on Neo Geo Classics, didn't it? No, I don't think. Super, don't super think Baseball so. 2020. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Okay, so it's not Baseball Stars. That's why. I, I, it's nice that I thought I was screwing it up. Um, but, but so while that was this, like, yeah, keep going. No, I'm go sorry. Ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the thing, how I remember baseball stars in two in particular, the, the exaggerated animations and stuff on them always right. reminded me a little bit of the big league chew bubble yep. gum packages. Yep. Yeah. 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 So super baseball 2020 had kind of the really interesting, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe it just did came out. It did, yeah, recently. recently. Yeah, yeah, I haven't downloaded that one. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, PS4 and Xbox One. Um, so, like, that had the really cool kind of, like, robotic aspect to it and things and, like, you know, mines in the outfield and stuff like that. And then you had Baseball Simulator that was just completely crazy. But it was, like, you know, as somebody who's not a baseball fan, those kind of arcadey fun elements to it like made me enjoy those games and made me play sports games. And then of course, you know, everybody played Tecmo Bowl at a certain right. point, you know, both. And I played both the NES version, and the arcade version, so, you know, and I, I played double dribble. I played NBA jam. So I kind of miss that ability to connect with sports games, even though I'm not really a big sports fan because anymore it's just like, they're so stat heavy and so realistic and so simulator focused and things like that and so i kind of miss that you know the same way i think we have the problem exact same problem with racing games you know we've lost the kind of rich racers of the world right and they're things now just like forza gran turismo Mm -hmm. project cars like this hardcore hardcore sim stuff (laughs) that just like most people play once and never touch again because it's just way too hard Mm. right not being able to just jump right in and start having fun and i I think there's a place for both those things because i think in all fairness as you'll remember going through those eras it was always like boy you know can you imagine a day if they made this real or like when this gets like if this is like real life or you could also go back to that argument of Shenmue, a weird analogy, like, you know, Shenmue tried to replicate a lot of things in real life, and some people said that was boring until they fixed up some stuff in the <clears> sequel. Yeah. But you could also do that with racing games as well. But I certainly definitely do think something like Gran Turismo has a spot. Like, it's definitely deserving, uh, you know, the otaku of uh, racing titles. But at the same time, you know, um, you know, because if they didn't do it, someone else w- was going to. So I'm not, like, mad at them, but... A little piece of me is hurt because that once that took over, there went like that whole era of Sega arcade style racing titles. 
Yeah. You know, like your Daytona USAs, your Sega Rallies, Sega GT, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, maybe that'll swing back around again. But, uh, yeah, so I wanted to throw that in there. So maybe we'll see a couple, uh, a couple little different types of episodes of GVGP in the coming months. We'll uh, do our best to try and get some uh, Tokyo Game Show coverage in the next, uh, uh, around the time of our next recording. Around the time of our next recording, we're going to be going right deep into the, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the holiday season of games because October is rather loaded with everything from uh, Super Mario Odyssey to Wolfenstein 2 to Xbox One X launch. Uh, I'm sure, Molly, I'm sure you've gone out and reserved two of your Project Scorpio edition launch (laughs) editions. Um, So, yeah, there's there's a plethora of stuff, actually, and things get kicked off, the festivities get kicked off for... Uh, the shopping season for a game season with Destiny 2 uh, about 48 hours away, uh, which I am not in on. But uh, if you get a chance to play it or get any opinions on it, I'd be willing to hear it. Um, but I still think the uh, you know the, the, the big giant to overcome is still Overwatch, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, I mean, I mean, but I mean, Destiny is a different kind of thing, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think, not- I think the problem with Destiny is going to be... Um, it isn't feeling different than the first game. Ooh, I'm glad you know, I didn't uh, go on it yet. Yeah. Like, it just feels too much. And I'm saying this is somebody who's not a Destiny player, just kind of watching mm-hmm. it and, you know, mm-hmm. hearing from people what they're saying. So if you disagree, that's totally fine. I just think that it, it seems it's hard to look at it and have your brain not say this in its expansion. Wow. You know, so... What uh, changing gears as we wrap up uh, GVGP31 here. Uh, have you taken a look at the latest stuff from Shenmue 3? I have. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? No, go ahead. I'll surprise you. Uh, some people were nitpicking at the art originally on some of the enemies and the overall look, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you I thought it looked appropriately Shenmue. Well, as, as KG Inafune says, it's better than nothing. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, like I, 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 the understanding I have is that they came out and said that you know the, the they had removed the animations about a month earlier, um, and it was still early graphically, and I, I think I think the problem of what they did was they just released that trailer as it was, you know. Right. I think what it needed to be to bring up the game again, if you look at Hellblade and you look at kind of like, they did this really great series of developer diaries for it, kind of showing the game as they were developing it and showing the progress of it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you needed context, you know? I think you needed to have, you know... Explain use, what's going on yeah, and why certain Suzuki things are the way they and, are. And team members, you know, I mean, as as terrible as the game ended up, you know, you look at like how they did Mighty Number no. Nine, for example, you mm-hmm. know, and and having somebody playing the game and showing Inafune and him going, oh yeah, it's coming, you know, together great and stuff like that. Like you had, you can't release it, I don't think, as just a gameplay trailer because then people have expectations for what that means. I think at this point you have to release it as a dev diary, and if you are showing it as a dev diary, people brains will instantly tell them that it's it's a in progress work. Sure. But the moment you release a trailer like that, it feels like you're saying, we're ready to show this game off. And they're not truly ready to show the game off. 
but they wanted yeah, to see, have something, you know. Yeah, maybe I'm a little more forgiving because I'm on their like I'm on their mailing list and and I know what's going on and I'm not saying it's wrong and I and you know this better than me because you're more on the inside, but the only reason I'm on the the inside of the mailing list of Shenmue Three is because I I did the Kickstarter and paid for one, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I always laugh every time I see those updates. When I wake up in the morning, I get the mail in my inbox, and then like an hour later, I see the gaming sites, and you can tell they. I'm not saying they don't source it or decredit, you know, and then they just copy and paste it and upload it. So, um, I don't know the point I'm trying to make. I guess what I'm trying to say is like when you're in on the Kickstarter emails, like I've been with other products, you do get that step by step, and you have a full understanding that like, hey, look. This is a work in progress, but, you know, this is what we promised you and we're giving you something. And I always look at it like, hey, it's better than literally getting no communication and the, and the Kickstarter disappearing and you lose your money. But I also understand the fact that once it hits the Internet and it's out there wide open and you're just looking at the video and just click and start with no context, then it's like, you know, what's going on? And, and saying, you know, we took the animation that a month ago shouldn't come after the videos come out. Sure. You know, there there needed to be a disclaimer at the beginning or needed to have made the, the preview a month ago, you know? Mm, like, right. that's that's a really weird position to be in to say, like, we released this trailer and then, oh, by the way, the animations aren't there, you know? That, that just seems like the wrong way to do it. So <laughs> I'm not bothered by what I saw. I said I think it's just they were really dumb about how they handled it. And it doesn't right. make sense to me. You know, mm. like they, they should have been way smarter about how they released that video. Mm. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a big one, so to speak. I hope, uh, you know, let's just hope it, uh, it stays on track. And I think, what are they saying now? Second half 2018 or something like that? Yeah, something like that, I think. Yeah, but uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess for me, my, my concern right now is, is Bloodstained, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of that, because I, I don't have this note in front of me, but didn't they just come out finally and say who was publishing or involved in Shenmue 3? And it's, uh, was it Deep Silver? I just pulled that out of my backside. That's an email like I was going to say, because I know Bloodstained is Deep Silver. Yeah, I want to say it's but the same thing. I want to say it's the same thing. Deep Silver. Um, yes, it is. So. Yeah. Hmm. Well, as we, uh, I know I said we were going to wrap it up. Uh, the only other real thing of note I have that's fairly recent, and obviously there's a million things we could have gone over if we really wanted to. Um, Nintendo did the Nindies showcase recently. Um, you saw the news on Travis Strikes Again, No yeah. More Heroes. Yeah. So that'll be interesting coming in 2018. And then I've read a snippet, correct me if I'm wrong, also, the Travis character is going to be in, like, six other indie games coming to Switch. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to kind of fully update myself on that. But it, yeah. it, there's something to the connection between kind of indie gaming and him with this. Yeah. And I think one of them was uh, Hotline Miami. Which, which would make sense, yes. Yeah, yeah. Just due to the, the nature of that title, the slashy, brutal nature of it, which also, by the way, has a phenomenal soundtrack. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm curious to see it because I mean, like I think you know, getting it away from like, the Wii kind of stuff and just making it more like a standard game. Like mm-hmm. I'm curious how this is going to turn out. I enjoyed the one, well for what it was the one that came to PlayStation Three a while ago. What is it? No More Heroes Paradise or whatever. Yeah, I've got that. I've had a chance to play it. Ever. Yeah, so. I got right to the uh, shockingly I got like to the end of that game and then my original PS3 hard drive uh, 
die Ugh. on me. But uh, yeah, I remember. It's funny. I remember playing um, Ease on Sega Master System. I'm getting almost to the end, and then I bumped the system, and that jarred the cartridge just enough that it erased my save. Wow. <laughs> so yes, being in those kind of positions just like it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, uh, if you don't have anything else for now, uh, I'm, only, I'm doing this out of respect for time here. We've just uh, surpassed the 72-minute mark for Generic Video Game Podcast 31. As we wrap up, uh, don't forget to check us out, uh, radio.morningproject.com. Find us on Twitter, as always, at 24BitAJE for myself on Twitter. That's the number two, the number four, B-I-T-A-J-E. My one and only co-host, Molly. That's at Molly Penn on Twitter, M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. Also check out EGM now for the latest, not only from EGM, but Molly's latest professional reviews at EGM now. That's E-G-M-N-O-W, the official morning radio feed at Morn Radio. That's M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. And as always, thank you for hitting that download button, uh, subscribing to us on iTunes, leaving a positive and friendly review uh, if possible. And on behalf of Molly, I want to thank you for taking the time once again and thank the listeners for uh, hanging in there with us. And we'll be sure to be back sooner rather than later and hopefully with some pleasant surprises. Thank you once again. <laughs>